Praise the Lord, this is Brad Julius Adeomi. What I want to discuss today is going to be some of, something very important that the Lord Jesus Christ mentioned that makes us to know that the Lord is the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord from heaven. And the plan of God is what this is going to be all about, the plan of God of the ages. According to what Apostle Paul said, it was a mystery that was revealed to him. I pray that the Lord will give you understanding of this. I'm going to start from... Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. This is a topic concerning the plan of God for humanity. What was the purpose why God put us here? That is what this is going to really be talking about. And look at it from Colossians chapter 1. Apostle Paul was revealing something to us, to the, to the believers in the book of Colossians. And he mentioned it. And said it is a mystery that is kept in the heart of God from the foundation of the world. And, and he started revealing it to, to his servants, the prophets. And here it is. Verse 26 to 27 of the book of Colossians chapter 1. It's going to be a teaching, so I'm going to go slowly. So that I don't, many times when I'm excited, I tend to speak too fast. And I model up my words. So that only people that are of my accent can easily get what I'm saying. But I'm going to slow down and pronounce my words clearly so that every band of believers from every country will be able to understand this message. Because it's a very important revelation that Apostle Paul was giving. That uh, is in the book of Colossians. It's also in the book of Ephesians. And I will more or less just expand or explain it a little bit further. Here is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Apostle Paul says, Wherefore I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. So you see, this revelation came to Apostle Paul. To fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. See, there's a, a mystery that was hidden in the heart of God since the beginning of time. What was the plan of God? Why he created human beings on this place, in this planet? And Apostle Paul now is saying it was a mystery that was hidden. This is now being revealed to the saints, not just now, from the time of Apostle Paul. We are getting more understanding of the scriptures at our time. Verse 27 says, To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, that is what I'm going to explain. Christ in you and me, the hope of our glory. What does that really mean? That is Christ living inside us as a special reason why God is doing something. Why God is doing this. That he said, is bringing to the Gentile Christ in us, me and you, is the hope that we have of glory. What glory? The Bible said, 
For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's really what I'm talking about, the glory of God. If you have been listening to some of my sermon, you will see that it is talking about Adam, the first man, Adam, lost something. He lost something in the garden of Eden when he fell. And that is the glory of God. Let's go again to Genesis chapter 3 and see what Adam said after the sin. And I'm going to point something out here in that Genesis chapter 3. When God came and asked Adam, where are thou? And verse 10 of Genesis chapter 3. From verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? God was looking for him. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid. Because I was naked. And I hid myself. Because I was naked. That is what I want to talk about. Something left. Something was covering him. Before, even though the Bible said they were naked, they were not ashamed, it was something tangibly covering them that looked like a, it's a living substance. And I'm going to give you an, I've given an analogy in some of my sermons that light covering was covering them because the Bible said God is clothing himself with light as with a garment. Remember, in that, if you have been reading the Bible, the book of Psalms is full of that. Thou clothed thyself with light as with a garment. But when God created man, he said, let us make man in our image. God made man in his own image. So which means God clothed him with light. As we gave him. So that was why they were not ashamed because something was really clothing them in light. But that light was coming emanating from inside. Think of it. This is my analogy now. Think of the electric bulb in your house. That electric bulb, as long as you turn on the light, it looks like it's clothed with light. And it can, sometimes can be very hot, not so. If an insect tries to get to that electric bulb, they run back because it's hot. And there could be frequency that can drive them away also. That is the electric bulb that we have now in our generation. Because electricity passing through it makes it glow, not so. Now, that electric bulb, if you turn off the light, turn off the electricity, it suddenly looks like it's naked. That was what happened to Adam. Something was covering him before that actually emanated from inside of him. That be it something that is covering his body that insect cannot come near. All those things that could injure human beings couldn't come near the body. But by sinning, disobedient to God said, In the day thou do this forbidden thing, thou shalt die. The light died. I mean, it's turned it off. It's like when you disconnect the electric bulb from the power, from the electric system. Because the Holy Ghost. It's said to be like the electricity of God. Now, you disconnect yourself from the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, that light is quenched. That was why the Bible also said in the many book of the book of Proverbs, it said, the candle of the wicked shall be put out. The candle of the wicked. It's almost like saying the light of the wicked shall be put out. All these demons, their light has been put out. So when they manifest, they are like dark dark figure but the bible said our spirit is actually the candle of the lord it said the spirit of man is in the is, is the candle of the lord that is we actually our spirit inside us is a lamp it's like it's, it's a like a candle when the lord turns it on it should glow and make light cover our body but this disconnection from adam has been made so woman came out naked 
when they were born, they were naked. Naked of uh, the glory that should be covering them. That was what the Bible meant when it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That glory, Adam lost it. However, Christ Jesus has come to restore us back. That's what's called redemption. And when he redeemed us and bring us back to God, it has to start from taking sin away from us. That's why Christ said, you must be born again. A new creature is what Christ is making. Now he's going to go beyond that because he wants to restore that glory back to mankind. That is what Christ said. Look at it in, in uh, I'll go step by step right now. This is what I just mentioned in Colossians chapter 1 said, this glory that you mentioned in verse 27 is the Christ in us is going to be that glory. Is the hope of we getting that glory. Christ Jesus living inside us. Is the hope of we getting that glory back. That's Adam lost. That was the plan of God. And now when you look at it further and further, it has been prophesied by the angels to Daniel that this is what God is planning to do. Let's look at it in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. When the angel manifested to Daniel, many people skip the, that detail of what the angel was saying because they only talk about, oh, there's going to be 78 weeks, 78 weeks. But you see, the mystery in that Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, it's more than just the 78th week. Everybody's talking about prophecy at the end time. We look at it, what the angel was saying. What is to be accomplished? Daniel chapter 9 verse 24, when the angel manifested to Daniel, I was telling him the, the things that will be accomplished. He said 70 weeks. That's Daniel chapter 9 verse 24. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. For what purpose? And he's going to itemize what will be accomplished here. The first one is to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. And to make reconciliation for iniquity. And to bring in everlasting righteousness. And to seal up the vision and prophecy. And to anoint the most holy. All those things that were listed there. All of those individual items. Are inside the, inside the Christ. Let's start one by one. Let me just explain it quickly one by one. To finish the transgression. What does that really mean? Finish the transgression. The Jews have been transgressing against God. Remember that? When they were worshipping idols, God drove them out of the land in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. God used Nebuchadnezzar to drive them out and he told them it would be 70 years. And God specifies in the book of Jeremiah how many, why it was 70 years. Mentioned that because they have not been keeping the land, the Sabbath for the land. And he said it's going to be 70 years also for them to vacate the place. So that was why it was 70 years. You go and search that from the book of Jeremiah. Now, because of the transgression, their transgression, so God drove them out. Now they were allowed to come back up during the days of Nehemiah, Ezra. They, were, they came back to the land as the, the third generation, really, or the second generation of the Jews that were driven out. They came back to the land. And the angel came and told Daniel around that time when they were going to come back, what are going to be accomplished. And he said they are to finish the transgression. Well, what will be finishing the transgression? Israel has been transgressing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but they are going to finish transgression. The greatest transgression is when God himself manifests as a human being. And they kill him. Oh, that is the greatest transgression. That is why you say finishing the transgression. Let's say for a purpose, you see. But they were still guilty. Even though God planned this thing like that, 
for a purpose, so that the Messiah can be crucified for mankind, and his blood can be shed to redeem mankind. But whoever did is still guilty. How? Ah, you see that? So that's why we have to fear God. That is why we have to fear God. Because we, are, we say, well, this thing, according to when we come back and look at it, it looks like God planned this thing in the beginning. That, that is how the Messiah should crucify. Christ said he has to go to the cross. No, so Lord Christ said this over and over to the disciples, he has to go to the cross. He has to go to the cross. He said, don't you tell them anything until after I, I resurrected. Because he didn't want things to change. When they, said, when, they, when they went to the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John said, and the Lord told them, don't tell this vision to any man until the Son of Man rose from the dead. Why? Because supposedly Peter and James and John have gone to everybody to the chief priest and said, you know what we saw on the mountain? We saw Jesus Christ born into light. Elijah came down. Moses came down. Ah, are you sure? Yes. That will make them change their mind. Are you sure this man is not the right man we are waiting for? He said, don't tell anybody on the, the cross. Because there is a purpose for the cross. To save mankind. The blood that he was wearing has to be shed for mankind. To save us. Like this lamb that has to be sacrificed for the temple in heaven. So that is really one of the purposes. Anybody that participated is still guilty. You may see Judas Iscariot. Some people thought, well, maybe this is planned. They said maybe he told Judas Iscariot to go do it. No. He says, he says, this one of you is a devil. The purpose shows that devil man, not devil possessed person, devilish man. You have to look at that. Jesus Christ was casting out devils, not so. When he was preaching, he was casting out devils. Then why didn't he cast out devils from Judas Iscariot? He was not possessed by devil. He was a devil himself. So that shows there is a seed of God and there is a seed of this serpent, like the parable of our Jesus Christ. So when Christ said, one of you is a devil, you know that this one is a seed of the serpent. He may follow them and be a religious too, like some of those priests. Because Christ told those Jews that were asking him, why do you make us to doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And he said, I told you, you believe not. He said, you believe not, if you believe not because you are not of my disciples. No, he said, you are none of my sheep, not of my sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice. You mean they are not his sheep? Yeah, they are Jews. Yeah, but they are not his sheep. There is the seed of God and there is the seed of the serpent. What happened in the Garden of Eden that was summarized as, uh, Eve said, the serpent beguiled me and I ate. It's much more than an animal just came and did some things on the physical. It's actually something that's happened in the spirit that brought in the seed of the serpent among the human race. That's why many will never be able to repent because they are the seed of the serpent. But God said, if you are the seed of God and this thing is meaning sent to you, it will make you to tremble before God because I do not know how I am the seed of God and that He shows me, He called me, and I responded. Some will never respond because they are the seed of the devil. They will hear the same gospel that you hear, that that person hear, but they are not going to shame. And God said, don't waste your time with them because they are just following their father. They are the seed of their father. And that's what Jesus Christ was saying when He said, you are of your father, the devil, the works of your father you will do. And they were defending themselves and saying, we are, we are seed of Abraham. He said, if you are children of Abraham, you will do the works of Abraham. So, he said, what we are saying then is, there are two seeds on earth. The seed of God and the seed of the devil. So, then, don't let the, the crowd of the devil, don't let them pull you into their camp. Because the devil is trying to get some of the seed of God into hell with him. But God will not allow the seed of God to go to hell. 
That's why the gospel is preached and somehow is drawing you. If you are listening to this gospel that I'm preaching, to this exhortation that the preachers are preaching, and it's making you believe, it's because God is drawing you. Because the Lord Jesus said, No man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draws them. So if you are believing it, it's because the Father draws you. And he's drawing you because you are his seed. But that's, I, I'll give another analogy. This analogy from my own understanding. Think of a farmer that wants to plant a field. And he has a bag of corn he wants to plant in the field. And while he gets the bag of corn inside his tent like this, the enemy, that's what the Bible, the logic says, the enemy came and plants tears. So I just say, well, suppose the enemy came and add some, some things that look like corn seed, but they are not corn seed, and mix it with the bag and run away. And then when they start planting the corn, they are seeing some tears that are growing. So where is, that's what the angel said, where are these coming from? And he said, an enemy has done this. That was just a parable. Does not mean that God was sleeping? Or because it is still part of the plan. That's what we that's only we can say. But God knows the end from the beginning. So we can always just say, Lord, I fall down before thee, I fear thee. Thank you, Lord, for making me the what you call the holy. He said that we are vessels of honor. And there are also vessels of wrath that will be vessels of wrath in the end. Think of what God told to Pharaoh and Moses. Go and look at this in the book of Romans. He said to Pharaoh, for this purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power to you. That you all may know the power of God through the Pharaoh that was to be destroyed. Think of that. In the same palace of Pharaoh, where that Pharaoh that was there in the days of Moses, it is the same palace, Moses was raised in the same palace. Two people raised in the same palace, one being raised by God, God said, I raise you, Pharaoh, up to show my power to you. And what was the power shown to Pharaoh? God allowed his demonic spirit to harden his heart so that God can show that power. Until Pharaoh was destroyed with some of the soldiers. And Israel was almost, almost Egypt, the whole of Egypt was almost destroyed. They lost their firstborn because Somehow, the spirit adding Pharaoh's heart. God said, we had in his heart. That I raised him up for that purpose. That should make you fear God. Now, Moses was raised in the same palace by the daughter of Pharaoh. So you can say, they will have been cousins, no? Second cousin, whatever it is, if they have been not, if they have really been the real daughter of Pharaoh, uh, the son of the daughter of Pharaoh, but he was just adopted. No? So, but he ran away from that palace. And God raised this same Moses up from that uh, palace through the jungle, through the desert and wilderness and brought him back to show the power of God through him. God is showing the power of mercy to one and showing the power of wrath to another one. And God said, I raised both of them up, one for vessel of honor, one for vessel of wrath. That's what I'm trying to point out. That we that are chosen to be vessel of honor, we should be thanking God. We do not know why he shows us to be like that. Moses said, I cannot go. I can't talk. Send somebody else. He said, no. You are the one I raised to for that. So the same way, when God is using us and sending us, we just thank Him. Because to tremble before Him and thank Him for choosing us, for using us. That is the purpose. I just wanted to point that one out. But let's go back to what we are talking about. This hope of glory that Apostle Paul was mentioning, that the glory that Adam lost, God wants to restore it back to us. Not He wants to. That is His plan for the ages. And Christ is pointing it out in this example. But let's go to Daniel, like I said. 
in the book of Daniel that I just read that, Daniel chapter 9 verse 24, you get, I determine some of these things that shall be done. I said the, the first one is to finish the transgression. So they finish the transgression by killing the Messiah. That was the, what the angel meant. They are going to finish the transgression, but of course they have to be driven out of the land for thousands of years. Not, not just 70 now. 70 years in this of, of Nebuchadnezzar. But now, when they kill the Messiah, Jesus Christ said, the army will surround Jerusalem. And these people will be driven all over the nations of the world until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. But people didn't know it would be 2,000 years. Almost. Not so. Because the Jews started becoming a nation again from all over the world going back because God promised that we bring them back. It's not the same Jew that was driven out, it's their descendants. You know what I mean? Remember? The high priest, the chief priest, all those are participated in killing Messiah. They will be in hell right now. Not so. They are already in hell. So. But the descendants, the descendants, the descendants after many generations that were going back, they are still the Jews. Not so. They are still the Jews. But see, they are the one God is promising to them. So when God is saying, I will bring them back. I was talking about these people that he drove away. Only the descendants that will come back. And now they are back and they are forming a nation. They started in 1948. Now as a nation. 1,000 and something years. That was what the angel was prophesying. It's going to take a long time. Desolations were determined. That was seen in the book of Daniel. If you read the book of Daniel, you see he said desolations were determined for a long time. So now, that was his first thing he said, finishing his translation. Then he said to make an end of sins. That was fulfilled also in Messiah. How oh, is he making an end of sins? We must be born again. That born again experience is given to everyone that come out, that, that call upon Jesus. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Christ is making an end of sins in our life by the born again experience. A new creature is what is making our spirits being renewed, perfected. Our spirit is perfected. It's our soul that needs to be perfected later. Why? Because our sea, we are the, he said that we are, we, are, we are people of the just men. Made perfect. Go and look at that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 20, or something like that. Where he said, we are, we are spirits of just men made perfect. So our spirit is already perfected. It's our soul and the, and the flesh that needs to come in the line. Come in line with, with, the, with the plan of God. So now he said, God is making an end of sins. That's the next thing I pointed out. To make reconciliation for iniquity. What does that mean? Reconciliation for iniquity. Remember, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them anymore. And has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. So that is the reconciliation. He said, making reconciliation for iniquity. That is, reconciling men back to God. It is all in the, in the, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The gospel being preached to the Gentiles is reconciling men back to God. So the angel prophesied it called reconciliation for iniquity. And to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, that is the mystery. God is going to bring in everlasting righteousness. That's really what I want to talk about. Everlasting righteousness. What does that mean? That the Messiah is going to bring in everlasting righteousness. Let's look back. The Bible mentioned a Caleb called Lucifer, which we know to be Satan. In the book of Isaiah chapter 14. And he said, Thou was perfect in all thy ways, till iniquity was found in thee. And then Satan was cast out of him. That means what? It means Satan was never given everlasting righteousness. Look at that word, everlasting righteousness. That means he will be righteous forever. Also, 
Satan did not have everlasting righteousness, therefore, no, so, because he was cast out after many billions of years. The thou was perfect in thy way, still iniquity. Iniquity was found in thee. So Satan did not have everlasting righteousness. Now let's look again. The angels that fell with Satan, the angels that well, said they were expected to be washers or not, they also disobeyed and mixed up with the children of men. They were also not given everlasting righteousness. That's why they fail. If anybody fell after trillions of years and they went into offense and sin, that they were in chains, like the Bible said, angels that look at us in the book of Jude, angels that did not keep their abyssinian while kept in chains under darkness. That means they did not have everlasting righteousness. See? Adam and Eve, that the devil came and tempted them and they also fell, means they did not have everlasting righteousness. That's what I'm trying to bring from that statement alone, that the Messiah is to bring in everlasting righteousness. So that's why it's taking a process, Brennan, when you that are listening to me, you are a believer born again, and you say, well, the rapture is not coming here, but people say, well, where is, the, where is the hope of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? Since our fathers fell asleep, everything continued like that. They were, uh, they were willingly ignorant. That's a process that is taking place. That process may take a long time, but God is having a plan and that purpose will be fulfilled. And that is why it's, it looks like it's taking so long that it's working. It's working. You are, going, you are going to bring in everlasting righteousness to these elect people that are saved. Not to everybody, but to the born again people. We are born again, but we are not perfected yet. That's why I say they are more the perfection of the saints. So for that purpose, God put apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the body of Christ for the perfecting of the saints. So that is part of the process. Okay. Now, everlasting righteousness, what the angel said will be brought in. How, was, how is God going to do that? When Satan, that was said to be beautiful and uh, perfect in all his ways until iniquity was found in him, did not have everlasting righteousness. Adam and Eve was created with the hand of God, formed with clay and breathed into it. And the work of God, fresh from the handiwork. Yes, he didn't have everlasting righteousness. That's why he failed. But now this is the promise that the angel said Christ is to bring in everlasting righteousness. How is God going to implement this? And that is what the revelation is. That is the revelation where Christ said it himself. And first in, in the Gospel of John, first, just let me first point that in 1 John chapter 5. That's the epistle of John, 1 John chapter 5. This everlasting righteousness, this is how God is planned, has planned to implement it. And that is why Apostle Paul was saying this thing has been in the heart of God from the foundation of the world and is now revealing to his sins. And Apostle Paul was revealing this to us in this, in this epistle. First John chapter 5. Here in verse 10. From verse 10. Apostle John was writing. He said, He that believeth on the Son of God has the witness in himself. He that believeth not God has made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. God gave a record of his son. And this is the record. Now listen to that. That God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Now look, look at that. God said I'm going to save these guys. I'm going to give them eternal life. God that's what I mean eternal life. Eternal. Forever. Never to be stopped like a Satan that failed. We are going to be giving eternal life. He said, I'm going to give them eternal life, but this is how I'm going to do this time. This is how I'm going to do it this time. 
I put this eternal life in my son. And in verse 12, he said, He that has the son has life. So, what God is saying is that I'm going to save these people and I'm going to bring in everlasting righteousness. And the way I'm going to implement it this time, it's almost like when you have a project, you have done all these things, now you see this thing for 40 and 40, like you make a robot and it fails somewhere at 40, and we want to fix it. That's what. And we're going to say we have to fix it good so that it doesn't fail or fall 40 anymore. So God said, I'm going to give them eternal life, they will live forever, because that was what Adam was deprived of. He said, let's drive them out of this garden, lest they partake of the tree of life and live forever. In that state of sin, God said, we don't do that. So he drove them out so they don't partake of the tree of life. So then God is bringing, want to bring us back to that tree of life, so he has to fix it. And this is how he's fixing it. He said, I'm going to give these people eternal life, but I put this eternal life in my son. So now, you are just to get the son of God inside you, and you have eternal life. What does that mean to you and to me? If you have the Son of God inside you, you'll be controlled from the inside. So Christ in us is the hope of this glory. That's why Christ said, without me, you can do nothing. That's why Christ said, no man can come unto the Father but by me. It's only through Jesus Christ. So you Muslims, you Hindus, you Buddhists, you don't believe Jesus is the only Savior, you are on your own. And you have nowhere, no other place to go other than hell and lake of fire. Because the only way to get that eternal life is to get Jesus Christ inside you. I know some, some you just said that they get every spirit inside them. They say, oh, one said, I always I have Jesus, I have this, I have that, I have all of them. No, Jesus only. You have to get Jesus inside you. And then the Father is in Jesus. He said, this is how he's going to implement this everlasting righteousness. By putting it inside the Son. You get the Son of God inside you, then you have life. That's what Apostle John was writing. He that has the Son has life. That's eternal life. And he that has not the Son of God has no life. That was how everlasting righteousness is going to be given to us by we having Jesus in us. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ said in, in, the, in his own uh, last, message, last minute prayer when he was praying with the apostles. In the Gospel of John chapter 17, you have to see that Apostle John was close to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the one that wrote these things down to make us to see. He said, I write it so that you may know that you have eternal life. You already have it. You, you wrote it in Apostle John chapter 5. That he's writing these things so that we may know that we already have eternal life. When we have Jesus in us, we have eternal life. Now, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 17 when he was praying the last prayer before he went to the cross. You see that in John chapter 17 from verse 22. Everlasting righteousness is what we are talking about. Our God plan to implement it and it's already implemented by saying he has put this life in his son, the son of God, Jesus Christ. And all we need to do is to get Jesus inside us and that is what we get when we are born again. That's what we get when we are born again. You see that when I'm going to that Bible verse in a moment. Here is John, Gospel of John chapter 17. From verse and till you see the Lord Jesus Christ, he started praying, say, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may be glorified. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. What is this eternal life? He's going to define it for us. Verse 3. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's eternal life. Knowing Jesus and knowing God. Now, let's go to verse 22. See how he's implementing it. I said, verse 22 and 23. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Like he said, it is done. As far as God concerned, it is done. To them that believe in him, it is done. So I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 23 is where I'm going. Look at it. I in them, and thou, the Father, in me. That's how we are going to be controlled from inside to have that everlasting righteousness. Christ living in us, and the Father is in Christ. So there will be no, no rebellion between the Father and the Son, because the Father is the one that put on the flesh and become the Son. Now the Son living inside us, that's why we are to submit to Him. Make him Lord of our life, and he's going to control us from inside. So there will be no way of no rebellion like, like Adam and Eve. So they didn't have everlasting righteousness. There will be no rebellion like Satan, who went to usurp the throne of God. If he is control of himself from inside, he would have done that. So they don't have everlasting righteousness. That's why they failed. The angels have failed, they do not have everlasting righteousness. But this time, God is going to fix it. And he's fixing it by saying, I put this eternal life in my son. You just get my son inside you. And the Father is inside that Son. So we are going to be controlled from inside. That's how we are going to get that everlasting righteousness. That is why Apostle Paul said, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now you understand. Christ living in me is the hope that we are going to get that immortality back. We are going to get that light covering back. Because our spirit will now have Christ living in us. And when it's turned on, we will glow and have the light. And we will have that eternal life forever. Everlasting righteousness, what God called it. And I'm praying that you that are listening to this, that you will understand this. If you are not committed to Christ, you better commit your life to Jesus Christ because He loves you. He came to die for you on the cross. And He has completed the job. He says it is finished on the cross. The payment is made. The sacrifice is done. So now He said, Tell them to come unto me, all you that live and are every Come and receive that eternal life. So that Christ will come and be living inside you. And that is the only hope of ever. Getting eternal life. It's Christ living inside us. That's what Apostle Paul means when he says Christ in us is the hope of glory. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 1. Apostle Paul also revealed the same thing when he was writing to the Ephesians, just like he was writing to the Colossians, telling about this mystery. Now in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, Apostle Paul even put some additional things. He said, In the dispensation, let me start from verse 9. God having made known unto us the mystery of his will, the same mystery he was trying to explain, according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. God has this plan in himself all along. At the right time, he's showing it to the prophets. Some of them couldn't understand what they were writing in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is given to everybody that are following Christ. Holy Spirit, so that when the preacher preaches it, the Holy Ghost in you will explain it to you further. That is one of the reasons why we can explain it further here. Because it is the Spirit of God that is, the, the Word of God is understood by revelation. Not by the letter of the, of this, of the writings. But how you just be interpreting English. So what you are seeing there is more than English. It is the purpose and the plan of who wrote this thing. What did he have in mind? What was it what was trying to tell us? That's what we are seeing. Not just the letters of the Word. Because some things cannot be written down in letters, cannot be described properly in, in, in any language. 
But if you can get to the source, it tell you what he actually trying to communicate. That is the that's why we call it a revelation. That's why Paul is saying this thing has been in God from the foundation of the world. And he's revealing to his prophets now at the same time he was revealed to his saints through the apostles and the prophets. And he said, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. As God wants to gather all things in Christ, all things to be gathered together in one. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. You understand what he's saying? I give another analogy like this. Suppose you, a government wants to build a city fresh from the scratch. You want to build a city. I know they did that in Nigeria, where they decided that they do not want to use Lagos as a capital. So they went to, and they did that also in Washington, D.C. Maybe New York was somewhere the place that was capital in the earlier century. And then they decided they wanted to make it Washington, D.C. So they have to carve a section off. And then build all the things that need to be built. The same thing in many places. If you want to build a fresh city, then you get somebody that's going to be a program manager to oversee this the this project. Also, but when you are building a city, you are going to have to build houses, residential houses, offices, office buildings for the government that's going there. You are going to have to build roads, bridges, hospitals. And many things, and these are all projects. Houses, a project. Office building will be a project. Roads and bridges will be a project, or just roads, a little bridge, project. Buildings, a project. Restaurants, project. Hospitals, project. Those are so many projects just to say a city needs a city needs that, a city needs that. And all those projects will be headed by individual person. And they all be under one project or program manager. That's how they do it in engineering. I'm an engineer. Our one program manager who is overseeing all these things. And all these project managers are reporting to him, and that's how government is done. That's how build. Now God is saying, the whole universe, the physical universe, God is going to bring the heavens and the earth under one person. Wow, who is going to be that one person? That's to be God Himself, not so. That's why God came like a human being to officiate this thing. It is God that manifested it. That's why God said, God is with us. Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. Because this is a project that a human being just anointing with the Holy Ghost is not enough. God himself put on the human body to do this program, a project to save humanity and bring them to everlasting righteousness and bring them that the glory back, connect them back to the electricity of God so that we can come back and glow again. It's a program, a project that takes so many facets and God says, go through one man, Abraham. From his seed, I will bring the Messiah. I will come as the Messiah. From his seed, that's why the seed of the woman shall come and bruise the head of the serpent. He has already prophesied it in the beginning. And that was the plan of God. That's not just for this planet called earth. He said, all things in heaven, as this, you know, the universes. And you can, scientists have told us there are so many galaxies and superclusters in the physical universe alone that you can see with telescope. And God said, things in heaven and things on the earth will be brought under one authority, under Christ. And that's what Apostle Paul was revealing to us. He says it's a mystery. In verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, that is at the right time, 
So that's why it has been like 6,000 years. Now Christ came in the 4,000 year, and now he's coming back again at the end of the 2,000 year. And all these things that, and the saints of God are being called, being prepared, being perfected, that are going to inherit these things that God has built and pre pre prepared. And he's calling you to be one of them if you are not one of us already. If you are one of us, thank God and be humble. Thank God and be humble. And also walk with him. But if you are not one of us, you are still thinking your religion of this or that is going to help you. Or you think it, we all come from monkeys. <laughs> you need to repent. And come to Christ. Let him save your soul. So that you can be a member of this kingdom that we say is coming. And that's how Apostle Paul is explaining here. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, when it is right time in his eyes, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. That was the plan of God. And God has given us a kind of a prototype in the scriptures. Remember the story of uh, Joseph in Egypt? It was like a prototype. After he went through all that he went through, through the dreams and visions, he suddenly stood before, stood before Pharaoh of that generation and told the dreams of Pharaoh to Pharaoh and he said, oh, well, where can we get somebody that can, that can do this? Pharaoh said, you, God showed you this, you must be one that has the wisdom to be able to come and help us do this. And Pharaoh said, you will be over all Egypt, I only be above you by on the throne. That means he made uh, Joseph to be like prime minister and he will just be figurehead. Whatever Joseph says goes over all Egypt. And that was exactly a prototype of what God is saying. God Almighty said, I'm going to have to put all these universes and the galaxies starting from this planet Earth. Put it under one head, one person, and go to control it. So he has given us a prototype like that. He will try to put the same prototype to Daniel in, in, uh, in Babylon. When the king of Persia, that was uh, the king, Darius, that was ruling there, Went to say, well, Daniel is so, so loyal, I'm going to put all the president to be under him. And they didn't like that. And they make that before to rely on the nurses. It's another prototype that God wanted to show to them. And that was what God said. He said, I'm going to put this your universe under one head. Is that going to be one head? Christ. That's what he said, Christ. He said, Who is that Christ? Think it could be somebody that's going to rebel against God again. He said, No, he is my son. I, God himself, come down. Put on a human flesh and be like one of us. That's what Christ is. He himself came down and be like one of us. And so he said, that is the one. I put my life, that life in that son. And you get that son in you, and then you have eternal life. And then he's going to be ruling the whole universes. And he's calling people that are going to rule with him. Because you can't just rule without having somebody over this planet, somebody over that galaxy, somebody over that supercluster, somebody over this thing. That is what he's calling us onto. You better come on in. Come on in. So that you can be one of the officers that is calling. And that is the plan of God. That's why he said we are joint heirs with Christ. We know what does that mean? We are inheriting something? Yes. We are heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ. Everything that God has created that you see. The scientists are looking at the sky. And they see all those galaxies and the planets. And they say, are they empty? How can there be so many and they are all empty? Wow. If they are all empty, then God has a plan for we human beings. Why? Keep sending human beings to this place. Spirits are being born billions. And, and people say, let's just kill this billion. No, that's the plan of the devil. Want to keep it billions. No. God has a plan. He wanted us to populate this place and move to other planets. That's his plan all along. But it's not going to be through this short that we are making because that's not going to take us far. 
All the engines are already using electromagnetic transportation. Let me call it that electromagnetic. Right? They turn into waves and they appear there. If we can turn into waves, we appear where we want to go rather than trying to build it. A rocket and go shoot us and it take um, from even with that rocket, you know how many months just to get to the moon or to get to Mars? That the galaxy is so full and the clusters are so full. That's what God is saying. He has a plan for mankind, and Christ is the head, and He's now calling you to come and be in His body. We are members of His body, and we are saying, You do well to come on in if you are not in already, and if you are in. Quicken your pace in submissiveness to the Holy Spirit that is working this work in us. That's why we are praying for that Lord help us to submit to the prompting of the Spirit of God so that we can be perfected. The Bible says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And we also have to come to that fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is all that this message is talking about. And I'm telling you right now, the Lord loves you and is calling you. Come on in. Come and be part of this kingdom. John chapter 14. Let me run around with John chapter 14. Verse 22 and 23. John chapter 14 verse 22 and 23. That's the gospel of John. Chapter 14. This is the Lord Jesus Christ that was talking. And actually he wanted to reveal most of this thing to the apostles. They were so, so sorrowful when he told them the, about the cross. He said, I have many things to tell you. I won't be able to say right now, but the Holy Ghost will come and reveal more to you. In John chapter 14, verse 22 and 23, here is Jude, who was called Judas here. He said, not Iscariot. He asked him, say, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. That is the secret, just dropping there. The Father and the Son will be living inside you. Making this abode with you is not just living in your house, inside us, He lives in us. The Bible says, Christ dwelleth in our heart by faith. So Christ is in me, and because the Father is in Christ, the Father and the Son are in me. And that is what He was saying right there. He said, If a man, let me read it again to you. John chapter 14, Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him and to Jude, and to the rest of the apostles, if a man love me, which is what he's saying, do you love Jesus? Because he already loved us first. He will keep my word. Say, if you love me, keep my word. What is his word? Love one another is his word. Then abide in him. Because people say, well, I don't need Jesus. I just love human everybody else. No, you have to have Jesus in you to be able to love everybody else. Acceptably. To love everybody else acceptably before God, you have to first partake of the sacrifice that saved mankind from hell, which is the body of Jesus Christ that was crucified for us. If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, unto him, and make our abode with him. So that is the summary of the fact that Christ in us is the proper glory. When we accept him as our Lord and Savior, he will come. The Father and the Son living inside us, because God is a spirit. Say, we are two or three are gathered together in my name, there are mine in the midst of them. Then he will be living inside us, and we will be accepted in his sight, and we will be perfected. And then we will have that glory back, because when he turns us on, the light from our spirit will shine and cover us with light, as our Lord Jesus Christ manifested. 
you know, he appeared to Apostle Paul when he was going to persecute the Christians in Dam on the way to Damascus. He saw a ball of light. Inside that ball of light was the Lord Jesus Christ that spoke to him. He heard his voice. So that is our we at the end when we are when we come to that glory, we will be able to radiate. Radiate any type of frequency. I was given another analogy. I said, all these things that are troubling mankind, they say viruses, coronavirus, flu virus. They say there are some things that are insects, invisible microscopic organisms that are troubling mankind, either through the nose or through the ear or through the skin, whatever it is. But you know that there are some electric bulbs, we call it ultraviolet light. That if you have ultraviolet light and you turn it on your house, yeah, according to that, they say it kills all those, it disintegrates all those viruses. No, sir. Our spirit is expected to generate those frequencies at will. When it generates a frequency of light that you can see, the visible light, that's when it glows like light that you can see a ball of light. It can also generate frequencies that is invisible. If it generates, if our body turns to invisible frequency, we will just disappear. You just see that I'm no more, you don't see me anymore. But if you generate a frequency of white light, you just see a white light like a ball of light or just a trace of human beings. That was what a sacred saw. When I read the sacred chapter 1, when God manifested with the, the cherubs, he said, on the throne above those cherubs was the appearance of a man. And he described this man from his nose upwards was like pillars of fire. From his nose was like pillars of fire. That is, it was glowing that light different frequency that you can see when it disappears means that the frequency changes you can't see it anymore same way x-ray that is used to take the photo of your bones is you can't see that x-ray coming through to you but it's invisible frequency that can injure also now if you change to x-ray like x-ray frequency you just disappear also so what i'm trying to say then is all of those jams that a particular frequency of electromagnetic wave will have destroyed them they will be able to be produced from our spirit that will make all those jams not to touch us that's why we cannot be hurt immortality when we are given immortality that is our state when christians are given immortality because only the only jesus can say who only has immortality christ has immortality and when we are turned on into that light we will be immortal also and then any insects mosquitoes biting people will rub something on our skin so that they don't bite us they ought not to even be that in necessary in that play. Why? Because our speech will have redirected some frequency that mosquitoes will run out when they come near. Visible insects or invisible insects, like a microscopic insects, viruses, they are like insects or something. They will run off or be die or be destroyed by that frequency of electromagnetic waves. That is what God created in human beings that Adam lost. But Christ, thank God, Christ has brought it back and is asking you to come and get it. There is a process to get to it, a process of perfection that we are all going through now when we have given us the Holy Spirit. That's why He gave every believer the Holy Spirit. See, this promise is unto you and to your children and to as many as are far of whom the Lord our God shall call. So the only promise of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. So He give us the Holy Spirit so that this thing is to walk, the Holy Ghost is to walk this walk in us, in perfecting us in humility, perfecting us in submissiveness to the Holy Ghost, perfecting us in divine love because God is love. Because he wants us to walk in love, to be like him. We have to be like him the way he wants us to live or not. That is why he's walking this work to make us perfected. And when we are ready, when we he's coming, then he's going to turn us on. 
turn the light on and we will be glowing like the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Christ in us is the hope of that glory, like I said. And everlasting righteousness is what he has brought to us. How is he implementing it? Christ living inside us, we will be controlled from inside. So that we are not going to fall like Lucifer, who fell through pride. We are not going to fall like Adam, who, who fell through disobedience. Why? Because now we are being given everlasting righteousness. That we are being controlled from inside. I pray that the Lord will make you understand this and make you to submit to this and want it. See, it is God that worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he's showing it to you so that you can also will it. If you will it, come to him. Come to Jesus. And then he will do it through you. His cooperation with, with, between us and the Father, between us and the Holy Spirit in us. I pray that the Lord will give you understanding. God bless you. Amen. Thank you.